You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. Welcome in to the Pirate Football Playback. It's presented by LNK Custom Homes. Pirates go down the season-ending game to Tulsa, the home game, 29-27. With us right now, Bubba Rosenbaum. What's up, dude? Uh, not a whole lot, Dave. So, yeah, needless to say, uh, a disappointing finish. I really you know, was hoping that we were going to be able to hold off Tulsa you know, yesterday afternoon. You know, we, we had our best offensive showing of the year, you know, at least from a statistical standpoint. Uh, and uh, you, know, you had 24 first half points, um, not nearly as much production in the second half, but uh, still over 400 yards in the game. And it's just a shame there once the defense got the stop um, to, to get us the ball back at the Tulsa 24-yard line, um, you know, first and 10 there with, what, 224 remaining that we didn't do what we needed to do to um, to seal the deal. And we'll talk more about that as the show goes on. Matt Semenza, what's up, dude? What's up, guys? I just took down my uh, 15th and final plate of apple pie from Thanksgiving. <laughs> I officially feel like a fat slob. Uh, Not at all. Not, hey, I'm, the I'm going thing. on another – I'm going to start, uh, just like I say, every, every year on the Monday after Thanksgiving, I'm starting a diet tomorrow which will last from about 8 in the morning to 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, you know, they Not say that. Baze, <laughs> what's up, man? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, you know, guys, they say that uh, you gain, between Thanksgiving and New Year's, you gain six pounds. And um, so it's, uh, I guess that's why the gym, the gyms in the area in Greenville, they're like ramping up their radio ads, I've heard, in the last uh, few weeks. But uh, Baze, uh, disappointing game, obviously, uh, 2 and 10. You know, I really... When I looked at the clock, guys, help me out, Bubba. Wasn't it like 2.30-something left? Or maybe you guys can remember 2.30-something left on the clock. And I'm going, if we have three or four plays, we, we ice this game. And next thing I know, uh, the fumble happens. And I was just like, I can't believe it. This is like, this is the, when I saw that play, that one play, 2023, that's the epitome of our season right there is that one play. We think we're going to win. But no, but I wanted to get your take and then uh, Bubba and Matt as well. Yeah. Hey, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, man, that, that you know, we talked about it a little bit off the air that this season really just kind of started off the rails, um, you know, with the quarterback position and leadership uh, there as part of the offense. And, you know, during the season, we saw some, you know, the offensive line, you know, a lot of moving parts early in that season before things kind of got settled in uh, to the offensive line. You know, obviously the back and forth between Flynn and, and Garcia early on that didn't settle out till mid-season, mid, mid to late season. Uh, we saw some drops from the receivers. We were, you know, lacking some play make, playmaking ability uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Defense was outstanding, but you know that that one play at the end of the end of the game was kind of a microcosm of of uh, 
how the events of the season played out. It just, you know, started off the rails, finished off the rails. It's just kind of how, how that season was. And, you know, it's going to be an interesting off season, you know, as, as things get started, you know, officially last night to what these next steps in the off season are going to be to, to correct, you know, the, the obvious errors and the obvious um, uh, kind of deficiencies of this team and how the parts and pieces are going to come back together. Obviously there's a, a, a lot on the table um, that needs to be sorted out, but um, yeah, that was unfortunate. It was unfortunate for the seniors, yeah. um, you know, to go out that way, you know, um, you know, they, they played hard. Um, I knew that game was going to be, was going to be tight, was going to be close. Um, you know, the freshman quarterback from Tulsa, you know, he kind of, Reminds me of uh, Holt Naylor's kind of similar back, you know, from the from the Very area well. getting getting to play for for Tulsa. So he's got a bright career ahead of him. But um, you know, very disappointing for for those seniors. No doubt, Matt. I wanted to ask you, being uh, at ECU, and obviously when you see see that play, it kind of not the same thing, but obviously. That 2014 UCF game uh, where we had the game one and then they have the Hail Mary, um, that was uh, really – that's one of those games that will haunt me forever, and I think this game will in a different way as well. Yeah, I did think of that game when that happened yesterday. And, um, you know, at some point it does – you know, Andrew mentioned uh, it's it's almost a microcosm of the entire season, and it really is. I mean, it gets to a point where, you know – what else can possibly go wrong? And, you know, you're, you're <laughs> yeah. in that situation yeah. yesterday, you know, you, you're, you're, you're up one point, you're in plus territory, your defense just, just had a great stop. Yeah. You're in perfect position to win that game. The, the one thing you can't do is put the ball on the ground. And yeah, um, unfortunately, you know, that's what happened. And, you know, I'm, I really want to know more about, about what went into that process because, I'll be honest, guys. I'm really upset about the the direct snap play call. Not that, not because that's a hard play to execute, because it's really not. But what makes me upset is that we haven't run that play all year, and now you're in a situation where, you, you know, you need to be. All you need to do is run the ball. That's all you need to do. You don't need to try anything crazy. You don't need to try anything different. And for for Donnie to call that play at that particular time really, really makes me scratch my head. It actually makes me very angry. Um, And for Coach Houston not to overrule that play call also makes me angry. Um, There was just no need for it. Um, I I can't figure out why that happened. But, hey, this is where we are. I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's another loss. It's a a painful, painful loss for, you know, Again, Bays, you mentioned the seniors. I agree with that. That's tough for those guys. They invest a lot. But yeah. also the fan base. I mean, you know, for the fans that showed out yesterday at that game after this season, those are the diehards. You know, you got to give those people a lot of credit, you guys being some of them. You know, I can't go because I live so far away. But um, for that to happen, I felt bad. I really did. I felt bad for the fan base. I, th- I thought it was just very poor coaching, you know, in that spot, guys. It- Hey, Matt, you know, you know, what's interesting is, you know, all season long, you know, we, we were banging our heads against the wall with uh, first down RPO runs into a brick oh, wall. Yeah. 
and and right. and second down RPO dive runs into a brick wall. And right. ironically, that's all they had to do. Right. You know, we would take those brick wall obvious uh, RPO dive runs that that we we witnessed throughout the whole season, and um, that's all they needed to do. They didn't need to do anything fancy. And um, you know, it's interesting, Mike Mike Houston's comment. You know, in regards to that play, you know, kind of. I think there was just a little bit of miscommunication again um, for whatever reason between, you know, him and Donnie, as far as trying to gather together, he said he was looking at the kill clock play sheet, just trying to sort out what was going and then the ball gets snapped. So, you know, obviously a little, you know, miscommunication on that end um, between the signal callers and um, decision-making at that point. But ironically, all we needed was the same first or second down play we've been running all season long to close that game out. Yeah. Hey, Bubba, I was going to say this real quickly, guys. It was really funny. This lady that's really passionate, I love her. I wish I need to introduce myself to her and her husband, but they're a couple rows diagonally from me. And she said, she goes, all year long, you've been running the ball up the middle. Why didn't you run the ball up the middle? And she's screaming that, and I was like, good point. Good point. Because you needed what what basically uh three plays or four plays. And um even if you don't get a first down, you pretty much make it impossible uh for them to have a shot. Well you well, you never got the opportunity to burn timeouts, and I think that's probably right. what they were gonna be after is just dive plays to, to kill the clock and burn timeouts. Yeah, obviously, um and I used this example earlier talking you know, about this with someone not saying that this is what I wanted to do, just saying worst case scenario, you know, if you have three plays where you don't gain a yard, you're going to be attempting a 41-yard field goal, which is well within the range. And I know he's had uh, – Andrew Conrad has had mixed success. But of late, you know, from you know, pretty much that distance in – he rarely misses. It's, it's you know it's forty five plus where it's been more hit or miss, uh, which you would expect. But uh, in my thing with with that play call, kind of as Matt said, you know generally speaking, a direct snap is it that hard of a play to execute? No, but it's something. If we had done it this year, it maybe been once or twice, if at all. In that situation, with the game on the line. You have a very sure-handed, you know, running back and Rajay Harris. Rajay hardly ever fumbles, and the same can be said for pretty much all of our running backs. Um, that's something we obviously are a very um, on the whole this year. We're a very poor offensive team, but that's something that we did very well is protect the football, you know, from a fumbling standpoint. So in that situation. You know, why would you go away from your strength? Rajay had had 150 yards rushing yesterday. Yeah. It just blew my mind because initially I thought, well, crap, it's a bad snap. But then I saw, uh, you know, that Alex was moving to his right. So it just wasn't the time to to, uh, to attempt to run that play. If if we had to run that play early in the game and it you know, results in a fumble, you wouldn't think as much about it. But it just, it just was not uh, – I did not agree with the timing of it, and obviously Coach Houston didn't like it either. Um, he sh- he should, as he admitted in the post game, you know, 
vetoed that and said, uh, you know, called a timeout. So, you know, done whatever he needed to do to uh, get us out of that play call. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. And, you know, I'm talking with other coaches, you know, both high school and college about that um, later on last night. Um, you know, they were in total agreement, you know, certainly not going to call any names, but one said it was an embarrassment and one said idiots, but uh, just one of those things. And it's a shame. You know, I had a knot in my stomach last night. I'm always going to be ticked off when the Pirates lose, but I did not think, uh, you know, losing that game yesterday bothered me as much as it did. You know, if you'd have told me going in, yeah. but the way in which we lost it when we shouldn't have lost it, I left the stadium with my stomach in a knot felt that way all the way home. And I felt the way uh, when I woke up this morning, it was just, just made me sick for the team as a whole, but especially the seniors. Yeah. And you know, guys, this is really, uh, I'm sorry, Dave, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, you know, okay. you know and when you really think about it, right? Like one of the things we've all talked about a lot this year was th there's been a lot of question as to whose offense this is. And, and you know, a lot of people were under the, the thought that Donnie is running what Mike Houston wants him to run. And there's another school of thought that Donnie has full control of the offense. And, you know, without me being on the practice field, I, I don't know which one it is. But I think my biggest disappointment with that situation yesterday is, you know, your job as the head coach is to step in and intervene when you have to, especially in, in the last two minutes of a game. That's where you really make your money as a head coach. Those decisions are what separates, you know, the the Nick Sabans, you know, fr from, you know, just your regular D1 coaches out there. And very disappointing to me that that play wasn't, you know, overruled and that, and that Coach Houston didn't step in. Now, I know he mentioned he was looking at his uh, clock chart or, or whatever it was, but, you know, that we, we need to be better than that. And, you know, um, I'm just being fair. You know, I'm being I'm being tough on coach, but I'm also being very fair that, you know, just like players get critiqued every day in the film room. That was a terrible blunder um, by both Donnie and Mike. And, you know, I, I just have to be honest. About it. I have to call it the way I see it. Um, but but that that is just at this level of college football. It's just really it's unacceptable in my opinion, it should not, should not happen. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say guys is the fact that when uh, you have a situation when uh, it's what three or four plays, just like you said, like you guys said, it's a matter of you run the ball up the middle. Um, and, and by the way, um, before I say that um, hats off to Rajay Harris, he looked more like himself last night than we've seen in a while. So I want to, and, and that may be, and I was going to ask you guys, it may be because um, being fair on both sides that Tulsa's defense is not good, but at the same time, he looked more like his old self, the best we've seen him in a while. And I love that kid. And so I was extremely ha happy for him. And I was thinking about him and the seniors that played their tails off and it just really hurts to lose that one, the way it happened. Yeah, no doubt. Rajay, you know, he, he, was grinding out, you know, a very tough season um, this year. You know, collectively for the season, he averaged 3.8 yards a carry, um, 40 yards a game. You know, he, he topped off at 500, just above 500 yards for the season. But, 
it was a grind for him. You know, it was good for him to to be able to get those 21 carries yesterday, convert them to healthy 156 yards, um, being able to break a couple big runs. You know, that obviously helped with his uh, stat total for the season. But, you know, it was tough going not only for Rajay, but for the whole running back room. I mean, I, I was at Annapolis for the Navy game. And, um, you know, these teams, I guess, just the way the offense was produ- – how the offense was producing through the year, it, you know, it was fairly predictable. And at least most of the time it seemed these defenses were keying in on a lot of – you know, what Donnie was trying to do. So, you know, the running back room really never got, never, never got going. Even when Javius came back healthy, I don't know if he was really ever a hundred percent after that injury right. um, halfway through the season, but um, you know, yeah, it was absolutely good to see Rajay. It, it helped that, you know, I think all things being equal that that was two teams that were fair, fairly, you know, equal, not only in the record, but kind of how the roster is and how how they've produced so we we knew that was going to be a good football game um from that standpoint and um you know it was good to see the running running game get get loose a little bit and it was good to see you know um alex be able to connect with these receivers you know chase being able to go over the century mark yesterday um you know he's had a solid season and obviously jalen and josiah having those touchdowns that that was good capper for those guys no doubt, and with this uh, game, it uh, it's really hard to accept, but it is what it is. Um, and uh, two and ten, I was thinking about Matt uh, with uh, Vegas saying we would win. What was it? Two games, um, Bubba? You can help me out on that. But uh, I thought about that last night driving home, you know, and I was like, I hate Vegas. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, I I really was upset with. Uh, I thought we were going to win that game. We didn't. And so now um, that we have the, the game, we're after that fact, and we're now into what's going to be tomorrow, isn't it, called Black Monday, where f- uh, coaches are fired. Um, we had, uh, by the way, guys, uh, I, I'm happy I was right. Uh, unfortunately, Duke is losing, it looks like, Mike Elko to Texas A&M. Um, but uh, I think they'll get, they're getting a good coach, and now I don't know how much money they're going to pay him, but uh, the last coach, they, they just had to buy out for $75 million. Um, but I just want to get your thoughts on uh, moving into a tomorrow offensive coordinator. Um, Matt, who are you, uh, who, what guys do you like about hiring for offensive coordinator for next year? Well, you know, I think I've said to you guys, like I, I'm really focused on the type of system I want to see here, like regardless of, you know, what happens, you know, with the offensive coordinator, or potentially, you know, what happens with Mike Houston. Uh, I do expect him to be back, but I've seen stranger things happen. But in terms of, for me, I want to see a certain style here. And, I, you know, I really like the um, the Jamie Chadwell style of offense that right. he ran to Coastal and now Liberty for a few reasons. I think it's unique. I think it presents a lot of challenges for the defense because you don't see it very often. You know, option principles from the pistol is, is a unique offense. And, I also think you can run it as Coastal and Liberty are proving. You can run it without four and five star offensive linemen. Um, this is a good system. It's it's unique enough that it could work in Greenville. 
Um, so for me, it's more of like, you know, you look at the types of you, a lot of people want to go back to the air raid and I'd be pretty happy with that. I, I could live with that. Um, I just know that the current system we're running, um, where go. we want to be a power football, you know, balanced running football team, it's just not going to work here. It's just not going to work. We, we're just not getting those types of players. And there's nothing wrong with that. You have to acknowledge what you are, though, at some point. And that's not who we are. We just don't get that type of player here. Um, that's more of like what Michigan is. You know, you get right. road graders up front and you can just mash people and move people off the line. Um, so so for me, I'm looking at more as opposed to like a particular name out there. You know, I know Kyle loves Rich Rod and, and I really like the idea of Rich Rod, too. Um, but it's more about a style that I think can be successful here. So that's, that's my thought on that. Yeah, Matt, I, th I think, you know, I, th I really think they need to figure out what they want to do first and what their philosophy is. You know, they, they obviously had a tough time in the transfer portal with, you know, converting some of the, the bigger money guys on the NIL side of things. And so moving forward, you know, is that going to be is that going to be a problem? If it's going to be a problem, you know, are you going to have to play younger players? Are you going to have to play the young young guys? Uh, Mike Mike has been reluctant to do that. You know, I, I know we had some freshmen sprinkled in um, to Serial Riles, uh, Javius Bond, uh, Chase Chase is a freshman, right? I believe Chase yes. is a freshman. Um, he is, yeah. So yeah, so well, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's, uh, so, you know, he he does sprinkle some freshmen in. However, you know, I guess my point being is you're going to have to run a, a simpler offense. And if, if, if you cannot convert with, you know, NIL or competing NIL with with, uh, you know, with funds needed to get the type of players that uh, we need and you're going to, you know, be bringing in younger players high school kids, uh, whatever it's going to take to get talent here, you're going to have to run a simple system. And then with Mike Houston in mind, he's a defensive-minded coach, he's going to want to burn the clock. So I don't know that Air Raid is a is a perfect fit for a Mike Houston team. Um, you know, he's proven, you know, we've watched in games where we kind of scratch our heads on on on, you know, time clock management or play calling or whatever it might be in the middle of a game, but he's just eating clock up. And um, so I, I think whatever offense is probably going to be RPO style heavy. And, um, you know, it's got to be a simple offense. You've, you've got to be able to bring players in. You got to, you got to utilize their abilities. You, you can't sit and wait for kids two to three years to develop anymore. You right. got to get them in the mix. And um, so it's got to be user-friendly. And, um, you know, I, I, I just think with Mike in mind, it's going to be some sort of offense that's going to eat clock up. And I, that's why I, I kind of tend towards believing that maybe it's not like a, you know, pass crazy air raid style offense. Yeah. And the, the basic thing is uh, it doesn't matter, guys, right, as long as it fits our, the players we have. And we've got to be able to score points, right? I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, like Bubba was talking about, the sad thing is yesterday we were way above our average for the season um, and still can't get it done, Matt. Yeah, no doubt. And like, what would you guys think 
Uh, and yes, Dave, at the end of the day, you, you have to be able in today's world, you have to be able to score. And so, but what would you guys think of that, that style offense? I mentioned, I like it. Chadwell style, the uniqueness of it. I mean, because again, you have to do something different that fits right. the type of player you can get. Well, another thing, Matt, is that not that we're military, obviously, or FCS, but we are not like what you said. We're not the Michigans or Alabamas of the world, and we don't have and, – and, Andrew, you make a great point. Uh, coach Y'all's coach, Coach Logan, said that it's not about player development anymore. He said – he called it to – he was talking to another coaching friend. If you guys heard the uh, Logan Zone from a week ago Friday, he called it – roster management and i thought i've been meaning to tell you guys off air that i forgot that uh but roster management is what he called it yeah i mean i you know with the way today is with transfer portal the thing that if if you're not getting players on the field quickly and able to develop players quickly to get them get them you know producing they're gonna they're gonna transfer and go elsewhere and that that that's not a bad thing you know maybe the players that are transferring are guys that don't fit your system anyway. Right. So you're always going to have attrition that way, but um, you certainly have to be able to recruit and be able to bring them in and plug them in right away. So the game is completely different than when Matt and I played And you know, I mean, heck that doesn't seem that long ago, but it, it was, but you know, these kids, it's funny. I, you know, I just had a, I have a daughter that is playing uh, collegiately now as a freshman and, um, you know, I told her during the recruitment process, I said, look, it's, it's not it's it's so much different than when I was going through. It's you don't need to have the pressure anymore as a as a high school senior, because, you know, if if you don't hit a home run with your pick, whether it's ECU or whatever school, if you don't hit a home run, guess what? You can transfer and you can right. go find your second home. And so these kids today, they just. You know, Matt and I had all kinds of crazy pressure when we were going through recruiting, make sure that we were finding the home that we were going to be at for four years or five right. years and that we were making a connection with the coaches and the philosophies were right and blah, 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 blah. That's not the case today. You know, these kids are like, OK, who's going to who's going to pay me? And uh, I'm going to go there. If it doesn't work out, I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, how would you feel about that, Matt? No, I agree. And I, and I think, you know. You go back to I, th I think the coaches really. Well, actually, let me back up for a second. I always laugh when I see coaches talk about, you know, players hitting the portal, and I always laugh when I hear coaches talk about loyalty. <laughs> I mean, it's just because what happened was for years and years the coaches were just, you know, they'd come into a program, they'd sell the players on, you know, team and loyalty and blah blah blah, all this garbage. And then the second, the next biggest contract would come, they were gone. And so over time, the players caught on to that and they started to see this thing for what it really is. This is a business. Coaches are trying to make money. Um, they're trying to elevate themselves. And now players see it the same way. And uh, yeah, I mean, to your point, if, if you're if you're faced with sitting for two years and not playing versus hitting the portal and maybe having an opportunity to play elsewhere, it's just too easy to hit the portal. And um, and I think the unintended consequence of that, guys, is now you're going to see less and less kids. And, you, and you're actually you're seeing it with baseball now. Um, college baseball, very few players out of high school are, are uh, 
able to come in on on a, even a partial scholarship right. for baseball now because it's they're all coming. You know, coaches would rather have a 21 year old from a JUCO or you know from the transfer portal than a 17 or 18 year old kid out of high school. But it's no different in football. I mean, you're just going to have less and less kids being recruited out of high school and more guys being recruited from the portal. So, but but I do think coaches um, started this trend with their continuous movement if that makes sense uh, hopefully i'm explaining yeah. that correctly. no no you did 1000 percent. by the way a little sidebar really quick we're a week away um, from the transfer portal starting opening up matt has andrew matt has a apartment there in the portal i believe december 4th through the 18th coming up for this year <laughs> that two-week period and of course in the spring they'll open that portal back up and matt has to go back to his apartment in the portal but i just want to get your thoughts obviously uh, Matt, we've talked about it at length, and Matt, uh, Andrew, you can chime in, and Bubba as well. Um, but obviously, the quarterback situation and offensive line have got to be top priority, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. Yeah, without a question. I mean, you know, you, you're. I I think the coaching staff would agree that you know the quarterback. You know, they didn't legitimately have a starting quarterback for this caliber of conference to to, you know realistically say we got our guy to go win a conference that that just didn't happen this year and that cannot happen again next year that that's a number one is you, you got to have a a you know a quarterback with the ability to go win a conference that's number one you know offensive line is obviously uh it ranks right up there uh they're gonna have some pieces to work with some depth players to work with as they move into to next season you know, depending on what they're able to do with the portal. And then you've, you've got to get some playmakers, um, you know, that I, I think for the most part the, between Mike Houston and Blake Carroll, they proved that, you know, at least this season, they proved that the parts and pieces that they had now, now they had some really good ones. They had a lot of experience across that defensive line, you know, to, to the point that I know I'm wandering, but to the point that, you know, in a lot of the bigger games, they were rushing three defensive linemen um, and still getting to the quarterback, which, you know, they, they, I think they've proven that they've been able to develop some players, especially across the defensive line. The linebackers that they had transfer in um, produced right away, which was exceptional. I feel like defensively they have a, a, a good beat on what, what they want to do defensively, the type of players that they want to get. I think keeping um, – Deontay Johnson around and keeping uh, Revel around or, you know, that, that needs to be a one top priority defensively. Um, there's a lot of great parts and pieces that are going to come back next year, but those two are pretty vital pieces to that defense as far as what happened this year, but back to the offensive side of the ball. Yes. Quarterback offensive line and playmakers, um, you know, on, on the receiving side of things, th those are priorities. And Matt, being a defensive player, Bubba um, also wanted you to chime in. Um, one of the questions, uh, one of the questions I would ask is, what about um, with having uh, our defensive coordinator Blake Harrell? Well, I'm really worried about Blake Harrell right now. I'm going to uh, be very honest. I'm really worried that because he had such a strong year, um, that he that he's going to be poached. Um, you know, I think that's that's a major concern for me because when you look at when you look at where we're at as a team we know it's a total rebuild on the offensive side right so, so the goal really has to be 
if you can keep this defense together, because as Andrew just mentioned, you have good pieces defensively. Oh, yeah. Um, Special teams look good this year, by the way, Andrew, too. Yeah, so, like, if you can – my main goal is, like, right today, tomorrow, I'm bringing defensive guys into the meeting rooms, and I am selling them on staying at East Carolina. Because, number one, that's going to enable you to keep a good defense together. Um, but you can really focus your efforts in the portal offensively where you need them to be. Um, but I, I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Blake Harrell. I, that's, I say that as a compliment for him because he's done an outstanding job this year. Um, certainly, I love his scheme. You know, I, I love the way he coaches. Um, he, did, he did a great job. And, and like Andrew mentioned, I mean, guys like Deontay Johnson, I mean, he, he had a fantastic year. Yeah. Um, Chad Stevens, man. I mean, these guys were really good, really stout against the run. Um, so I think that's that's really what you have to focus on. You got to find a way, keep this defense together, and then focus your efforts on on a total rebuild on the offensive side of the ball. And Bubba, I know you were trying to chime in. Yeah, Robert Dedrick uh, here on YouTube is saying, uh, you know, with so many transfers or more. Four good players being overlooked. Uh, undoubtedly, you know, this is something Matt and I were talking about earlier today, and because of obviously our quarterback situation and you know what could have potentially been last year, not necessarily with this quarterback, but you know, someone of this caliber from the JUCO ranks. You know, you had Joey Aguilar that App State brought in. Um, they had a similar situation in East Carolina where you had a, a proven starter. Exiting the program, obviously, for us, Holt Nailers, for App State, Chase Bryce. Um, and they had a guy on campus, Ryan Berger, you know, who uh, coincidentally, you know, is also from the state of South Carolina, um, like Mason Garcia. But, you know, they felt, felt good about him, but, uh, you know, opted to also bring in Joey Aguilar and uh, Ryan Berger barely edged out Aguilar in in fall camp, but uh, got hurt in that season opener against Gardner-Webb. Aguilar came on, and, uh, you know, he has not relinquished the job. He has thrown for right at 3,300 yards, 33 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. So just a great example of the, and the type of guy that you can get from the from the JUCO ranks anytime, but especially uh, in this day and age where so many people are going to the transfer portal with a, a four-year transfer. No doubt, and uh, with, I guess what it comes down to, guys, is the uh, ideas of up until the last couple of years ago, you could actually have guys that you could have, I hate to use the term, I don't know what the right term is, project, a guy that would maybe take longer to develop. Now those guys are pretty much going to be weeded out, right, because you don't even have time for guys that are tremendous talents to get them to the, ready for the college level. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a brand new day in college football. I mean, um, the way you approach things is going to be totally different now. But uh, some really interesting comments up. There's one comment I see here, changing subject a little bit. But Robert Matthews, uh, can we can we get that one up? I saw a kid the other day put a seventy thousand uh, dollar. Oh yeah, I saw that earlier when he put that up. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we can get that up, but but man, did, I gotta say, Bubba, can you get that one up there? 
It was yes. Yeah, look at this. Sorry, yeah. No, it's all right. I mean, Bays, this as a as a, a as a as a old school college football traditionalist, if I was a coach <laughs> and a kid put this out there, I would tell him Bye-bye. In, in no uncertain terms to kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good lord, can you imagine? I mean, that's where we're at now. That's well, where we're at. Well, Matt, I we're I mean, we're hearing with the top with some of the top recruits in the country that they're you know, they're they're asking for basically uh, appearance fees for their official visits. Oh man. And that are you serious? Oh yeah. Like you you're like that's really happening. Like wow. You know, um so yeah, it's a it's a completely different world. And what's what's unfortunate is it it's kind of like the wild, wild west. You know, this is gonna be ever changing and evolving. And uh right now the players have all the control in the world and they realize it. And, um, you know, they're going to they're going to milk it until NCAA or somebody puts clamps on it, which I don't know if it's ever going to happen. But, um, you know, they're they're taking advantage of it. And it's a it's a just completely different deal. And I can't blame them. I mean, it you know, you can ask for whatever you want to ask for. It doesn't mean you're going to get it. Um, but I I saw another comment, uh, you know, Kyle made made a mention as far as. Um, you know, Mike, when I was talking about Mike Houston and kind of being on the defensive side of things, and it's just an observation being, being pretty close to the program, you know, Mike is a defensive minded guy. And I, I think maybe to one of his faults, you know, over collectively over the last couple of years, but it really showed maybe this year is, you know, he put a lot of faith in Donnie and right, wrong or indifferent. Right. So we're, we're just putting, we're just talking about what's on the surface. You know, I, I think Mike, you know, being a defensive minded guy, he put a lot of faith in Donnie to be the CEO of the offense. And, um, you know, that that probably came with a lot more power than maybe should have should have had and should have maybe there should have been a bit more oversight. You know, that that can be obviously up for debate. But, um, you know, it, it Matt can talk about it, too. There's a lot of coaches, you know, in, in college football. There's a lot of coaches in professional football they don't have anything to do with the other side of the ball, whether they're offensive coach or a defensive right. coach, they hire the guys on the other side of the ball. And, you know, they might not interject the way that we think they should interject, you know, but maybe that was agreement that they had. And, you know, I, I can't, you know, you know, say what, what should have happened or what shouldn't have happened. But, you know, as far as it is what it is. And, you know, unfortunately we saw what happened and um, that was the decision that he made as far as going forward, moving forward with, with Donnie and, and having Donnie having the power that he had. Um, so, you know, thing, obviously everything's on the table right now and things have to change. And, um, you know, I think, I think John probably will give Mike another year, um, to make his hire on the offensive side of the ball. And the clock's going to be ticking to make sure that that decision, it was the right one. And that, uh, the things that happened this year don't happen again. Um, and that you learn from them and you move forward. Um, you know, so, you know, I just wanted to comment on that because Kyle had mentioned that up and I figured that would probably have been a talking point had he been on here. Yeah. And, you know, to that point, I would bring when, when Mike is interviewing offense, potential offensive coordinators, and this is all based on Mike still being the head coach at East Carolina. I know most likely, I know, I get it. Most likely he stays because of the finances and all that. But there is growing sentiment within this fan base. I mean, if you listen to the message boards today, 
there are a lot of people that want to see a head coaching change too. But, you know, I personally, I would bring Blake Harrell into the room. If this is a situation where you're interviewing OCs, I, I would have Blake Harrell heavily involved because the defensive coordinator can tell you, Hey, Hey Blake, what are the things that give you the most problems as a DC? Like what, when you, what keeps you awake at night as a DC, who are the OCs that you see that you're like, man, I don't want to have to face these guys. Um, I think that input would be really important. I, I would have Blake heavily involved in that process. Um, but hey, we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, I think I think everything's fluid right now, guys. I mean, you know, it's just the nature of college football. I mean, you just never know what's going to happen. Um, and yesterday, with the way that game ended, a lot of angry people. Um, you don't know. You just don't know what's going to happen. Do I think Mike Houston's going to be back? I think he probably will. I do. But do I think you can make a fair argument that? we should get a new head coach. I think that's a fair argument to make. Absolutely. Well, you're looking at um, with Houston, I think he'll be back. And um, with, I think the biggest thing is Andrea was talking about special teams. You look at the special teams and defense. So it looks like, uh, looks like for us that right now, the offense is what we need to focus on. Not to, uh, as we were talking about the defensive side of the ball with uh, Blake Carroll, and of course, with the the players, which we need to, um, we've talked up on the screen right now for those watching or on live or archive, uh, for those listening to the podcast, uh, Team Boneyard is something we need to uh, focus on a lot. But anyway, we need to uh, focus on that. And by the way, uh, John Gilbert told Mike Houston to hire offensive coordinators. So um, you don't tell somebody that you're going to fire to hire offensive coordinator this week. So uh, we do know that for sure. Um, but the only thing I'll say, Dave, and this is one area where I disagree, that was prior to yesterday's debacle. Just keep that in mind. That was prior to yesterday's debacle. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see where it goes. But yes, I, I mean, last week I would have said, yeah, based on that conversation, um, yeah, it looks like Mike's going to be back. He's going to hire. But yeah, yesterday was was so egregious. Um, you never know, man. You you don't know what's going to happen uh, in this crazy world of college football. So we shall see. It's going to be an interesting uh, couple of days here. Uh, no doubt about it. And uh, we'll have to see how how things go. But uh, certainly, I think we know what we have to. We know what we have to do. Um, and I will say this to you guys: um, if Firing Mike Houston would solve all our problems. Then I would say fire him tonight, right? Um, but that's the problem is that for everybody that wants to fire the head coach, the head coach is not the only problem we have. And um, I would say that if you're looking at it, I don't – my my personal opinion is I think we're going to have to be careful on saying we want the head coach gone because that obviously – can hurt us getting a good offensive coordinator as well if Houston is going to be saved, and I think that he will. Well, I, you know, I I know Matt and I have talked about this, uh, you know, privately, but it, you know, I I am I am all for, uh, I've I've seen enough, you know, between Blake Carroll and Mike Houston on the defensive side of the ball. I know it's going to be an ultimate challenge to try to keep Blake. I I I think Blake is probably earned 
the opportunity to to move on and if he does that that's awesome for blake that's i mean that's what we want um ultimately is to have success enough that our coaches are moving on taking better opportunities and you know someone else will have to step up and 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 carry that torch but you know it it is um I've seen enough defensively that, you know, I liked what I see, what I saw this year defensively. I, you know, as far as Mike goes with this team, this team never laid down. They never, you know, despite just, as we mentioned early, earlier in the show, the, the season got off, off completely off the rails offensively, stayed off the rails offensively through the season. And the defense continued to fight. They continued to play. And that's an indication 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 of coaching and you know these players did not lay over at any point in the season let alone towards the end of the season when you know things were pretty bleak and um you know so there there is something to be said for that that's leadership um you know traveling with the team honestly I, you know this team is you know they had a lot to be pouty about this year in this season and you know these kids are are really good kids um, you know, and on the road, they're first class and, um, that, you know, that that's a reflection of the leadership. And, um, so, you know, with that being said, I mean, I, I've got no problem rolling on with Mike for another year, giving him an opportunity to fix, fix the problem that is the offense. Now, you know, we've seen with other programs that can be done very quickly, um, with the right hire, as far as an OC and, uh, taking advantage of a transfer portal. And um, so whoever that person is going to be, they need to get in very quickly and they need to start working on that project ASAP. So this can't be a, a if that is the move, this cannot be a long process. This has got to be something that, you know, they're going to have to pull all nighters to figure out who this person's going to be and hit a home run with this hire. And then that person's got to hit the road recruit, <laughs> recruiting right, right away. Um, so it's a Herculean task, but as we've seen with other programs, it can be done. It can be corrected. Um, so that, that's where I sit with it. I agree with you, Andrew. Um, I do think the players continue to play extremely hard. You know, you, you've seen teams, um, I, I will say that I, I think that showed a lot of character on the player's behalf because you do see a lot of times in college football when a team is, you know, losing in such a bad fashion like we were you know you see people or teams you know just sort of lay down you know you saw that towards the end of scotty moe's tenure here um so i do give the guys credit i do think the portal this is kind of funny right what do you guys think at this point i think in some ways the portal keeps these players honest because right. let, let's say you're a player on a terrible team right you're losing you know if if you're gonna go into the portal after the season you better keep playing hard. You know what I mean? You better keep playing because you're putting that film out there for everybody to see. So I think in some ways, another unintended consequence of the portal is that it keeps players focused because, hey, whatever you put on film is going to be seen. And and Matt, like to go back to my point, we're in a school, you know, as far as coaching decisions and NIL, we, we don't have limited funds. So we, we don't we don't have – all kinds of crazy options of what we can do. So there's got to be a lot of things on the table and funding is, is one of them. You know, I, I know 
you know, fans would love to see uh, pull trigger on, you know, this, that, and the other. But unfortunately, it's not the case. You know, there are limited funds <laughs> available. And with that in mind, you you know, it's pretty hard, even with, if you go out and get a new head coach, it's, you know, I know we, everybody's talked about a buyout of the head coach, but the problem is you, you have to build a whole nother staff and right. that's going to be competitive. Um, so, you know, it's not ideal anywhere around, obviously, you know, all of this would be remedied by a better year, but, um, it is what it is. And, you know, that's why John Gilbert gets paid with, what what he gets paid he's got to make these tough decisions no doubt and i just wanted to say um for the fact of with uh, houston if you put, you bring in a good offensive coordinator and um hey let's give blake harrell a race because matt you're a defensive guy the guy has been here a few years now and has the defense played out of their minds we had three games we lost by three points or less five if you add uh five games um that are 10 points or less you know, we had the uh, the Navy game we talked about, 10 points. It was all that was scored, and we get shut out. Um, so it's uh, it's one of those things where when our program, and let me say this all the time. It's funny how um, people say we don't have money, but yet we have money to pay for two coaches. We have, uh, a, we have an indoor practice facility. We have the uh, NIL. There's a lot of stuff that we need to pay for. Hey, listen, at the end of the day, guys, the, the, the donors, the big donors are going to be that that's that's where things happen. You know, if a if a big if a big donor steps up and says, I want Mike on, I'm going to pay for the buyout. He's probably gone. But to your point, yeah, we don't have unlimited money. And that's where, you know, you look at Texas A&M. Good Lord. I mean, they're they're in a whole yeah, exactly. They're, they're not in a different league. They're in a different universe. It's crazy. In terms of the finances. Um, you know, Speaking of- but uh, it, it's it's all, all, I mean, you know, I think it's going to be a very interesting couple of days. I, I think if I'm John Gilbert, I am going to address this situation within 48 hours. I'm going to call a press conference and I'm going to address the situation and I'm going to basically say, this is this is what we have decided to do. This is the direction we're going to go. Whatever it is, I think you have to stay out in front of it. I I, I don't think it's a time for for silence. And um, I think that the fan base deserves you know um, a vocal leader right now, and they and they want to know the direction that the program is heading. So I, I just hope whatever happens here in the next few days, I, I hope that you know our leadership is very vocal and um, addresses the fan base because at the end of the day, you know, the fan base, you know, that that's really who you have to keep happy. Oh, you do. Um, but all this, it, let me say this too, but I'll, I'll say this and move on, but we also need to have a coach who's here for a while, like a Logan that you guys had, because if we don't every time now we have a losing season, our fan base is going to say, fire the coach, fire the coach, fire the coach, fire the coach. And so that's another thing that bothers me because um, we are pirates, we're ECU, and we are passionate, no doubt. Um, but in the past, we didn't have uh, guys with losing seasons to be fired. We didn't have social media and online stuff, keyboard bandits, and um, that's my that's my disappointment. You have a guy who won uh, the first bowl game in ten years, 
Um, we're not we're not talking about a team that's uh, in the SEC that wins 10, 12 games every single year. We're talking about a team that's seven, eight. Our program is seven, eight, or nine wins. That's who we are. And if you don't believe me, look at the history of our program. We've only had 10 wins plus twice in the history of our program, going all the way back to 1932. So um, if you want to play the numbers game, we can play the numbers game. But I'm just telling you, um, we're better off by keeping a guy. And if he doesn't make it, I'll be the first one to tell you, fire him next year um, if things don't work out. But I think that this Houston's worst season is this year in the history of his career as a coach. I don't think that he's taking it lightly. Uh, You can look at him last night at the press conference and tell how much it told and how much it hurt him to not only lose the game, lose senior day, go two and 10. He knows what's at stake. He talked about that in the press conference. He even said he was the head coach and it was his responsibility. He's going to change it. And, you know, I know there's a lot of people that don't respect him. They don't believe him, but I do believe that he's going to make changes. He did it offensive coordinator. I think there's other coaches, you guys, I don't know who it would be, but I think that it's going to be um, some more offensive coaches that may not be back next year. Yeah. I I don't want to, I don't want to speculate because I really don't know, but that's what I was told overhaul of the offense. Yeah. At the end of the day, this program needs to be competing for championships and um, this program needs to be competing year over year at a championship level. And that needs to be the minimum. And um, you know, I, I think Mike Houston understands that. I think he understands that, they were woefully, um, you know, not in a position to do that this year. And I mean, we're not talking about, you know, showing progress next year. If Mike is retained and um, is able to rebuild the offense and if he has to, you know, if, if he loses Blake and has to fill the shoes of defense coordinator again, it, this is not going to be a, a, you know, you have time to rebuild after a a two win season. This is, you got to get back to a championship level and um, that needs to be the expectation. And I, I, I think that's where John Gilbert is um, with this. And I I think they expect championships, at least compete at a championship level. And um, you know, that that's where it needs to be. That's where it needs to start. So that that's where our focus needs to be, whatever, whatever needs to be done needs to be done in the in the ideas that we're competing for championships i agree and i will say that uh now are you gonna have people you know if you have a losing season to you know to say fire the coach sure you are but you know the masses the reason the masses are upset is yes we're two and ten but it's more so why we're two and ten uh you know with the quarterback situation and and then um, just being so historically bad offensively, if we would have gone five and seven this year, like we could have uh, if we had just been below average offensively, um, sure, you'd have had some people upset, but it would not have been anywhere to the extent of what it is because um, – and this year, with what we lost, I mean, it was expected to be a little bit of a dip, but uh, not to the degree in, in which it was. 
Yeah, and I think that's been my biggest – I think that's where a lot of my anger has been this year, guys, um, and one of the reasons why I'm open to a coaching change because I, I hate the fact that we didn't address the quarterback in the offseason. Um, I, I remember saying in the middle of summer that I didn't think our offensive line was going to be able to compete. Um, and you guys know I said that. I said that every show I talked about the offensive line in the yep. spring and the summer. Um, I what really angered me was and I was very vocal about this on this show um, after the SMU game where when we punted the ball and I thought that was waving the white flag. Um, So it's really a culmination of things. And, you know, um, for me, but I think Bubba makes a good point. It's I think if you it's not so much just the losing season, it's how how did we get here? How do we get here? So that's all I really have to say. I don't want to beat a dead horse. I've, I've been very vocal about it. Um, but at the end of the day, the decisions will be made, um, you know, the highest levels of the administration and the, you know, the, the, the biggest donors. So um, so we'll see. But but let me ask you guys this, just to just take it away from this for a second. Let's just say Mike stays for another year. Let's say we do get the new O.C., and let's just say hypothetically we're going to have about six hundred thousand dollars in NIL funds, which I think is pretty realistic at this point. Um, Andrew, I'll throw it to you first. Where, what are the first uh, besides quarterback? Because I know we're all going to agree on yeah. quarterback. But what are the f- second positions besides quarterback where you would invest that money first? Yeah, obviously quarterback, but then offensive line and and wide receiver. Okay. That's hey, where, what about you? That's where I'm spending. Yeah, I agree with you guys. And also, um, by the way, guys, there's supposed to be a push. Um, and Pace says, yeah, thank you, Pace. You you beat, you read my mind, Pace. My brother from a different mother. He said Ravel and OL, uh, offensive line. So my thing is with uh, with us, uh, we're, we've got to look at, we've got to look at the positions like we were saying, offensive line. Because we've got to have, you know, Matt, I will give you credit. Um, I didn't, I agreed, we definitely agreed a preseason, the offensive line was going to be the Achilles heel. We just didn't know it was going to be, I never dreamt in a, a million years that it was going to be as bad as it was. Uh, what, maybe two or three guys that we can really write home about if if I'm, maybe I'm being generous, Matt. Um, on the offensive line, but we've got to have um, an offensive line. We've got to have quarterback. Um, I agree with you, Andrew. We need depth at a wide receiver. And then with the defense, we've got the tough task of um, giving a raise to Blake Harrell. And then the uh, NIL, like uh, he, like Pay says, Ravel, and I mean, he blo- he's blocking extra points. And uh, we've got guys blocking punts. I mean, our special teams, like I said, Andrew, not because you're on the show, but remember what a disaster our offensive, I mean, excuse me, our special teams was last year. We got that corrected. Um, so now we need to uh, keep what we have with defense and special teams and have the other, speaking of complimentary football uh, offense. What about you, Bubba? I agree uh, with you know, quarterback, O-line, wide receiver. Um, then obviously, like Matt mentioned earlier, I'm going to have to do what you can to uh, to keep the defensive 
side of the ball together with uh, Savon Revel and and other key pieces, but uh, but you, you gotta you gotta address those offensive needs you cannot uh, go through in another right. season uh, like this you have to do everything you can to uh to use those funds to set the new oc up for success yeah in fact uh daniel says that too uh revel and five offensive linemen i agree with you daniel there um brad says larson isn't larson a senior um being an inconsistent punter um but I think he's – I thought he was gone this year. No, um, Larson's got another year. He's got one more year? Okay. Yeah. They're, losing yeah. the tra- they're losing the transfer at Trafford. He was a senior. He's gone. Um, okay. You know, no, the specialist – Larson, you know, I, I think there's there's ample room. Larson had a couple a couple of decent games. He, he, uh, he's got to improve overall. Um, you like know, the drop kinda, ball last week. His whole career has kind of been – you know, solid and then not solid, solid. He's just inconsistent. He's got to be way more consistent throughout a season. I thought Andrew Conrad did a great job. He started off a little shaky, but all in all for the year, he finished up 18, 25, 72%. And um, down the stretch was, was just great. Um, you know, Revel was great on special teams, obviously had a couple field goal blocks. Um, you know, I, I think all in all, um, Special teams wise, they they were they were decent, but I like, you know, I know you talked about uh, nil with Revel being a top priority. Uh, Deontay Johnson, I mean, he was exceptional this year. I don't think he gets enough him and the defensive line. I don't think they get enough credit for what they did. Um, you know, those guys played tough all season long, and um, I, I can't stress also <laughs> on the offensive side of the ball how many balls were dropped. Um, by by our wide wide receivers in in critical moments, um, you know, literally drive killing drops um, that shouldn't have been been there. Um, where the season, those guys making plays, you know, those things stack up over the course of a season, and um, so playmaking has got to get better next year, one hundred percent. No doubt. And uh, Bubba, with you with the quarterback situation. Um, are we, is it safe to say that uh, maybe this is speculation, Alex Flynn, we talked about on the show, he's definitely going to medical school and won't be back next year? I have not heard definitively. Um, you know, we'll give credit to Stephen Igo here. He said that you know, following yesterday's game, um, while he was still in Town Bank Tower, that uh, he saw Alex on the field taking some pictures with with his dad around the pirate state of mind at the 50 yard line. So, you know, if I had to guess, I would say probably so, uh, but uh, nothing clear cut just yet. Um, you know, Alex addressed it last, I guess, Tuesday with the media, just saying that he was not walking, but um, he did say, you know, it was very possible that yesterday was going to be, uh, his final game, but so, but he didn't rule out returning either. So, so uh, I'm sure we'll we'll find out here in the next week or few. But uh, in the meanwhile, um, you know, you you certainly uh, it's going to be intriguing to see. You know, um, first of all, who we hire as OC, and then you know whether we hire an OC who may have that potential to bring a, a quarterback with him where you have a, a package type deal um, 
and it, and a guy I already know in the system. So uh, we had a question about. I, I feel like that Garcia's gone. What about uh, Jeter? We had a question. I forgot who asked that earlier about Jeter not playing yesterday. But do you guys see him back? I don't know. I thought it was foolish not to get him playing time, even a series here or there, yeah. when, especially when you have four games. Right. Um, when and you have four games, the Gardner Webb game. Yeah, I mean, I th- these are these are this, the decisions that for me I don't really understand uh, about the staff, and I know Donnie had addressed that in a press conference two weeks ago. Um, you know that he was basically trying to win the game, and, and I get that. But listen, we're not the first program in college football that has to play the backup. I mean, it, every, tons of schools out there do this. So, so and, Matt, this this is where I go with, you know, th- this is where I I struggle with this coaching staff between between the combination of Donnie and Mike, the ability to to develop a a, a starting quarterback. Right? There's a trend. There, there's a trend there of the inability to, to develop. And, you know, I, I know throughout the season, these comments came up constantly in press conferences with, with Mike uh, and Donnie, as far as getting Jeter on the field, seemed like it was a question every week. And, um, you know, they, they just continue to say that, you know, he, if, if, you know, he's, uh, if he's in the game, then that means he was ready to be in the game. And it, it was alluding to, maybe he's not prepared enough to get in the game and to help them win. And that, that was a key decision maker. And like, so that, that's where my earlier comment, as far as having a system, you know, that you can easily develop and the system is easy enough to get talent in the game. And I went out to practice a number of times and Jeter, you know, sure. You know, he, he's a freshman and sure he makes mistakes, but, he was pretty exciting. He's got a big arm. Um, he's got some mobility to him. And um, the kid loves to throw the ball down the field. And that's one thing we obviously were missing this year. Um, so, you know, that that is something that moving forward, you've got to you've got to be able to run an offense. You'd be able to get talent on the field. And it it's an indictment on on the coaching staff if you're not getting the talent on the field. Um, it's not. You know, I know a lot of times we want to point the finger to the players, but you know that you got you got to have a better track record of getting these guys on the field quickly. Yeah, and I think it comes back to you know a lack of creativity from Mike Houston, and sometimes a very conservative nature. I mean, you know, even things like you know, listen, I know Mason didn't perform this year, but I do think there were situations in the second half of the season where we could right. continue to utilize some of his skill set, which is, you know, um, how about third and one, right? Quarterback power, um, some red zone packages for for him. Um, but I, I thought of that because of Jeter, and I was thinking, you know, why can't we, like, just like Steve Logan used to do, Andrew, where he would have a package for his backup quarterback early in the game. Um, and it could have been, you know, it, it could have been just a, a any game in the middle of the season, you would see Steve Logan put in his backup for a series, sometimes two series. And it might have seemed a little odd at that point in time. Like, I remember sometimes as a player, I was like, hmm, you know, this is this is kind of interesting. But the, there was a plan. 
And the, the plan was to get that player experience to prepare him for the future. And, you know, I, I won't harp on it too long, but I just – I do agree there's been some issues with developing the quarterbacks, obviously. And I would have had a package or two for um, for Jeter where you, you you utilize some of his talents. Right. Um, even if it's just his feet, put in a little speed option for him, you know, um, something. Yeah, that was my thing, guys, is that – you know, with uh, with Logan, with you guys, you were talking about that series. You still, I was going to mention that tonight, Matt. You read my mind, I guess I was going to mention earlier on. But also the fact that, uh, Andrew, you know, when we're trying to win games and we're so close, like I said, we lost three games, three points or less. We've lost five games, 10 points or less. So when we're trying to win football games, uh, guy, these guys know on this show, always talk about trick plays. Am I saying to, you know, put out a whole bunch of trick plays? No. But we certainly needed to. There was times when we needed to go for it on fourth down and we didn't or, you know, like a fake punt or something like that. And I know it's not easy, Andrew, because you're a punter. But I'm just saying, like, it has to be something that we, in other words, we practice. It has to be something that we don't do a whole bunch of uh, trick plays. I'm not calling for that. But to put in a few wrinkles that these teams haven't seen, uh, I that's one thing of the Houston uh, era that has been lacking for me. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, Steve, when we played for Steve Logan, it was it was sudden change. I mean, I, I don't I don't think over the la- Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but over the last few years, have, have we seen much sudden change offensive decisions? You know, when when we played for Steve Logan, if there was an interception, if there was a uh, a block punt, if there was, you know, anything that transpired where all of a sudden that the game is, 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 is changing suddenly. It's called sudden change. Steve Logan's coming back with the very next offensive, first offensive play is, you know, H-back reverse or some kind of crazy play that's taking a deep shot, trying to catch the defense off guard when they're running off, quickly running off the sideline, discombobulated onto the field because they weren't expecting to. Steve Logan was hitting them in the mouth every single time. And a lot, more often than not, we connected on those plays. And um, so, yes, there, there has to be some originality, you know, in the sudden change game. There has to be some originality. You know, we, we had quite a few turnovers this year. And I don't recall coming out with big sudden change offensive decisions, you know, where they're taking deep shots right away on first down. Um, you know, I don't think I saw any of that this this season. Um you know, we definitely didn't see any fake punts or fake field goals or anything like that. But, you know, I, I think Mike had such a fear of the position of this offense that if he honestly thought that if and this is not defending anybody, this is just my observation. I, I think that Mike knew that his defense was was so talented and so good this year that if he could just keep them close enough um that maybe the offense could put something together, you know, down by one touchdown or down by a field goal or whatever it might be a tight down by 10, whatever it is late in the game, then anything can happen. And, um, you know, so a lot of those, you know, decisions to try a fake punt or try a fake play or do something that was going to set the offense back further and take field position into a consideration. I think that's maybe where Mike was. Um, you know, where a lot of that stuff went on. And that that's just, that's being very conservative. 
um, that's not having, you know, any uh, riverboat style in them. It, it just seemed like he was very conservative this year. Uh, that's a defensive minded guy. And um, right, wrong, or indifferent, I think that's what transpired. Yeah. And so we have to right now, um, it's uh, it's hard to believe it's uh, after Thanksgiving weekend where we feel like we, you know, we should be making bowl reservations. We This show, should we should be talking about speculation on where do you think we got, where we're going bowling. But uh, I did want to, uh, let's see, where was it? I lost track. Um, oh, here we go. Chuck had a question for you guys. I want to throw this up here. Um, how many wins for Houston to keep his job for next year? He's saying six. So, in other words, we have to go bowling next year. And I would, my answer to that is absolutely. I, I think that's a, that's the floor. That's not the ceiling, but I'll give it to Matt and the rest of the guys. Yeah. I was having this conversation with somebody the other day and in years for me in year six guys, this is, it's going to be year six. Okay. At some point you have to win. You have to win. You have to win, you know, beyond five, six, seven games for me, it's eight games and eight games in the regular season, and then your bowl game, so potentially nine. Um, that's what it has to be for me. I mean, it's just at some point when you're making $2.4 million a year, listen, there are expectations. There are heavy, heavy expectations. Right. Um, you have to win. And this is not a great conference we're in now, this new watered-down American. Um, it's a winnable schedule. Um so, so that's it. That's my expectation, and uh, I'm sticking with it. So, in other words, we would go potentially. You'd have to go three and one in the non-conference, and you have to win five out of eight in in the American. For me, yeah, for me. I don't, and 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 it's totally. Uh, I showed you guys that um, in the group text about you know the records this year and who we have on the schedule this year, and we don't have a bye game in Michigan. Um, that was a fun trip. I enjoyed everything. My kids got to see Ohio. <laughs> they wanted to go to Ohio really bad. But anyway, um, they got a chance to see a potential national champion team. Um, so we don't have to worry about pretty much there was that was going to be a difficult game. And we did not win that one. Um, and we lose 30 to three. Um, so you pretty much started out with an L. Yeah. Um, which we, we have uh, obviously starting out the season with Norfolk state is probably what we would much rather have than um, no excuses at all. Michigan, um, you know, the, the uh, app state game is going to be tough. Uh, that's home. You have old dominion and Liberty away and old dominion. You would think that you have a shot at them, um, but you've got to be like, if you, if you want eight games, you've got to go three and one in the non-conference. And when you have uh, Liberty, um, they're a tough team. You have App that's a tough team. Norfolk State and ODU, you you feel like you should be able to get two and two on them, but we'll see. Yeah, got a lot of comments coming in on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. People don't believe we could beat App or Liberty, and I know based on where we are right now. Um, but it, it all comes down, I'll tell you this right now, it all comes down to we've got to have a huge – and I know that you guys, but we got to have a, a hire that a proven offensive coordinator. We can't have a guy that's, I just don't see a guy that's young and is overcoming, uh, up and coming, I should say. I, I don't see how that's going to like translate to for the fan base. And I, 
I think that's where it's going to get really difficult because, you know, I, I don't want to go the FCS route for this hire, guys. Like, I want right. to proven guy at the FBS level that, that right. has done it against big time DCs and big time uh, programs. Um, but I got your checkbook, can, right? Can, well, that, that part, but also uh, there are a lot of coaches out there who are going to see this as a lame duck position. Um, and, and it's going to be tough to, you're going to really have to sell somebody on the longevity of the position to, to come in and experience coach. That is, I think that's where it's going to get really difficult. Yeah, Matt, I agree. Um, you know, with Mike's if Mike is retained and the clock's ticking, it's going to be harder for him to, you know, I guess it could work both ways. I mean, you, you know, you get a young guy in here that does a great job, you know, obviously he set, sets his future up um, well, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's with any, any position that maybe is an outgoing coach or a coach on the ropes, um, you know, that sometimes that's, that's a tough fit. So, you know, maybe Mike stays within his circle, um, you know, and hire somebody that he has a close relationship to or a prior past, um, you know, so I, I don't, I don't know the direction that it's going to go, but I agree, Matt, it could be, you know, difficult to get the guy maybe you want uh, under the current circumstances. Well, that goes back to we don't want to have a guy, and 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 I, even though I want Houston to have another year, I've been very blunt about that. Um, if he picks somebody that's going to do a conservative offense, then I would agree with you guys. Then he's not going to be back. He's going to have to pick somebody. He's going to have to pick somebody that's uh, way out of his comfort zone. And if it's true that he is a def- defensive coach, so he needs to bring in a guy and say, "Hey, uh, you have control." Don't you think control is going to be another issue too, guys? Is that? He needs to let the guy, the offensive guy, coach offense. I mean, well, meaning that I don't think he's had a problem doing that. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's been that. If any, if any, if there's a, if there's a problem, that that is his problem. Is that he gives too much authority and too much decision making power. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. That maybe he needs to take some of that back. No doubt, and we've got to obviously. I'm not sure. I think it's close to half a million. That is it, four to five hundred thousand. Also for, uh, for Blake Harrell, uh, being defensive coordinator, salary. I mean, we. I would love to see if we could do that. Uh, to give him a big raise. Yeah, absolutely. I'll definitely pay pay up for Blake Harrell services. Uh, oh, we got a lot of interesting comments. Just as I'm scrolling through here. Um, Let's see, Justice. Can we throw up Justice? You know, we. Um, you know, I'm done supporting next season unless Houston is out. He embarrassed the program beyond belief. So, you're going to get a lot of uh, obviously different uh, opinions here. We saw. Um, I know Kyle had a comment back there. You know, a lot of people saying seven, eight. Right means minimum to win. Here's Kyle Barber. The system we run plays develop way too slowly. You have to have an extremely good offensive line and a really good running game to even try to play quarterback in the system. Yeah, I agree. And um, and you know, like I said earlier, you know, Kyle. I think I said this to Kyle a few weeks ago. If we had Joe Namath behind this offensive line, it would be brutal. We'd, yeah, we'd be better. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
uh, you know, it, it's probably still wouldn't be pretty. It's just because Man, I, I disagree I, to a to a certain extent. Let me hear it, Baze. Let me hear it. Look, man, a, a starting quarterback changes all things, and you know it. You got a guy that's capable of, you know, if he's inside an offense that he understands, he's able to make adjustments at a line of scrimmage. He's able to do some things that maybe he's able to check out of something that's an obvious read. You know, I I didn't see much of that. I and and I think uh, Donnie alluded in a press conference earlier in the season, you know, as far as, you know, sometimes we're banging, banging our heads in a wall, watching first down, you know, uh, RPO dives into the line of scrimmage, you know, for one yard loss every single time, you know, I think Donnie noted that, you know, sometimes, sometimes Alex needs to be more aggressive there. So maybe he needs to check out or maybe he needs to, you know, decide, <clears throat> decide of another RPO option other than that dot, you know, giving up the dive and for, a, for a one yard loss, you know, maybe check out or, or <clears throat> maybe do something else there, you know, and the argument could be made, maybe Donnie makes another different play call <laughs> than the same one on, on first down every time and putting, putting that decision in Alex's hands, but, you know, arm talent, you know, I, I, I saw throughout the season, you know, times where, you know, Alex had time and just maybe didn't have the arm to push it to the opposite side of the field to an open receiver. I saw yeah. plenty of drop balls, uh, you know, in tons in, of drops from, from the receivers. And ultimately, sometimes a, a leadership, you know, I know Alex probably didn't anticipate being a starting quarterback. I know being a college athlete, you would think, shoot, man, I'm, I get the opportunity, you know, I'm a big, bad ego guy and i love to be a leader you know both of these quarterbacks mason and alex i never saw huge leadership from them i know the team rallied around alex just because he's he's a tough kid he answered the call he answered the bell you know he did the best he possibly probably could do and um you know he took a beating this year and you know i i'm just saying that if you have a legitimate starting quarterback Sure, you you can make up for some offensive line deficits. Maybe your run game, you know, still struggles a little bit, but that arm talent's going to spread the defense out a little bit. That's going to you're going to be able to do a bit more play action. You're going to be able to, you know, do a few more things than you were able to do this year. And this year we were not that far, honestly, from winning football games. And right. um, you you put a starting quarterback, you know, legitimate starting quarterback in the offense this year. We have more wins than than we finished up with. There's no We're question. We're going to be bowling. Um, yeah. So sure, you know, you can talk about the offensive line, but I, that is not the reason why we lost football games. I can tell you that. So, about as far as uh, there was a question, um, Bubba helped me out. There's a question. What's the kid from? I don't think that he's going to come here, but the kid that went to um, um, Southern Miss, who went to JUCO, what's his name? Keys. Yeah, yeah. Like I, well, I've, cer I've certainly not heard that uh, that he's out on the Pirates, um, but uh, you know, Ty Keys now from Northwest Mississippi Junior College, if I'm not mistaken, began his career at Southern Miss. You know, tremendous athlete. Uh, and we know James, um, our Southern Miss friend. Uh, you know, yeah, obviously closest uh, friends with Kyle. Um, that I mean, he was excited about that possibility or said that we should be excited about that possibility 
not very proven, but um, some nice potential there. I would like to see us some pick up someone, you know, that uh, you know whether it's a part time starter or you know, you know at least uh, a part time starter, whether it's at the FBS or FCS level with a significant body of work. No doubt. And by the way, guys, Robert Dedrick. Oh, at the wrong. There we go. Blake Harrell's salary is three hundred and forty-four and a half thousand. That's from our good friend Stephen Igo. Hoist the colors, and so uh, we need. To, he needs to see a bump in pay. And and also just uh, for point of reference, uh, you know, according to what I was able to find, you know, Donnie was making around four thirty-seven or four hundred and thirty-eight thousand dollars, and he had received very significant uh, pay raises over the last couple years, going from right around three hundred thousand to uh, to the 437.5 or whatever it was. Yeah, I think uh, when you have a defense, that's the be- best defense, guys, what, in 14 seasons? I mean, you have to go all the way back to 2009 with the second championship for Conference USA with Skip Holtz so, and those uh, great guys that went on to play the NFL, especially that defensive line. Um, but we'll, we'll see how that plays out. And uh, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> this is probably – you know, we always talk about there's no real off-season now because you have the portal uh, starting next week. It'll be interesting to see who we keep, who we lose. Um, we lost Tegan Wilk. But, Matt, I don't – and uh, by the way, Matt, I wanted to say to you and Andrew, when he lost his job a few weeks ago, uh, didn't you think that was coming from him? I mean, he hasn't really had playing time in, what, four games? Like since SMU maybe? Tegan Wilk? Yeah. Yeah, so I was a little. I wasn't sure what was going on there because I, I know he was banged up too. Yeah, so I wasn't sure how much of that. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think Tegan, uh, he, he, you know, he had some really good moments here. I mean, I thought he was pretty solid against the run. Um, you know, I, I think that from his perspective, um, he, you know, he's he's earned his degree here. Um, I guess he's got one more year and. He probably wants to just give it a go somewhere else. I respect that. You know, he put in his time here. And like I said, he had some real good moments and uh, not sure what happened with the playing time and versus the injuries and all that. But uh, certainly wish him well, you know. Exactly. Um, he's a pirate. Yeah. Um, so, oh, yeah, he's definitely a pirate. He he, he paid his dues. Um, I'll tell you guys, the, the guy I really hate to see go on the back on the back end is Julius Wood. I mean, oh yeah, he 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 really had a great season. I mean, he flies around. He can cover. He's durable. He um, he's a leader. Um, he opted to stay at East Carolina. He could have left last year. I know he had some offers to do so, and he had a really strong year. And uh, I think he's got a chance to play at the next level. That's going to be interesting to see uh, for sure. And uh, how many people like uh, Revel? Uh, how many people? Um, I'm hoping that we can uh, get him straight now as far as money um, is concerned. And a lot of those guys, uh, defensively, they've earned it. And um, that's what the tricky part is. But it goes back. There's a lot of things we can't control. Um, but as fans, one thing we can control, uh, let's see, up-to-date Blake Carroll increase was to 456674 for 2023, according to USA Today, that's from 344000 Okay, so he did get a significant raise this year. 
uh, for this season, and we'll see about um, that for next season. So you're uh, all is good. We're looking at next season. Do you guys? Uh, what do you What are you guys thinking? As far as far as we talked a lot about the transfer portal. What about high school recruiting? In regards to what what's what are you asking? I'm sorry. So when it comes to um, when it comes to how is that going? Do you got I don't follow it as much as I should. I love Igo. He is the expert on that. Um, but how do we look for this coming season? Because we're we Matt and I, I know this whole team. We talk a lot about the transfer portal, and I know that high school recruiting is getting harder and harder if you're a high school guy to to come in because their expectations are high to that we need you to play now. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know I know this staff. I know Mike likes to de- develop his offensive linemen, so I know he's got you know some some freshmen in the hopper. You know that it takes a long time when you unfortunately with when you're recruiting high school offensive linemen, they come in, man, they're, they're like puppies, man. They, yeah, they're, they're not ready to go physically. And um, the rare ones are, but more often than not, you're having to build those bodies or reshape those bodies, getting them in the weight room, um, getting them fed the right way and um, turning them into, to, to beasts. And I know that's a process and I know, They've got some guys that they're high on, but you know you, you're gonna can you're gonna have to continually do that um, year over year. But I you know I don't know as far as scholarships. You know I, I don't know actively who they're recruiting. Um, I know there have I know there's a quarterback out there that that they've you know is their guy. But um, you know as far as uh, you know how you build how you utilize your scholarships. You know what how many of them you use for transfers and how many you use for high school kids. I don't know how all that shapes out anymore, <laughs> you know, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think one of the things I liked at this staff, you can see a little change in philosophy right now. They're, they are evaluating junior college offensive linemen. I think they had at least two in this past weekend. Apparently one of them committed. The name hasn't been dropped yet. Um, but, the junior college route is a good uh, area for East Carolina to look at because everybody's fighting over the the portal. All right. And people have more money than us. So a lot of people are ignoring the junior college route right now. And I think that's a good area for us to look, but for me, especially in this situation, considering the, the fact that, you know, we were just talking about how many wins does Mike need next year to potentially save his job. If I'm Mike Houston, I would bring in no less than five offensive linemen from the portal grad transfer JUCO route, guys that I think can contribute immediately, five, and that's minimum. I'm talking five minimum. That That's what I would do, um, and, and I, everybody's got to fight it out for a spot up front because for us to compete, uh, for a championship the way we want to, we have got to get better up front. And to Baze's point, you're absolutely right. We can't wait two or three guys for high school players right. to develop up front. We need them now. Um, so that's my thought on it. Waylon makes a great point, guys. He says, uh, what's up, Waylon? Uh, he says, we made a living on DL Juco's in the early 2000s, and, and we've been talking about that, Matt. I know that uh, 
transport portal is what we've been talking about. You have the apartment and the transfer portal, but uh, we don't need to forget about. There are some guys that we have to pay attention to in high school recruiting. We just can't take the special projects anymore. And then also we can't, uh, we cannot love, we cannot live without JUCOs at all guys. I mean, you think about there's so many great guys that were two-year players that came over our way from JUCO. No doubt. Baze, what do you think about that, going the JUCO route for offensive linemen? I like it. I mean, they, you know, just like we talked about with high school kids, you know, that that are developing in, in just that need two years to develop, it's no different. There's guys that end up at JUCO that need to do the same thing. And – you know, sometimes you get you get kids that don't take advantage of that opportunity to develop and get stronger, get bigger, you know, and you got others that do take advantage of it. So, you know, we played alongside a lot of JUCO guys that had a lot of success. And, um, you know, there's plenty of talent in JUCOs. You just have to, you know, we talk about it all the time. You just have to be dialed into it. And, um, you know, this coaching staff, whoever, whoever, whatever changes are made, in the coming days, weeks, whatever it might be, um, you know, they're, like I said earlier, they're going to have to hit it hard early. Um, there's no, this thing cannot drag on just for the pure purposes of recruiting and getting out there and getting the guys that they need um, and not getting, you know, the seconds and thirds and fourths and fifths that, uh, you know, can happen pretty quickly in the recruiting world. So, um they, they're going to need to have a plan of attack. And, you know, I hope it's, it, to your point, you know, they're utilizing junior colleges to, to, to find those big-bodied offensive linemen that can get in there and produce. Um, you know, they just didn't have enough parts. You know, they had, uh, they had maybe six or seven parts on that offensive line that they were using consistently, and that's just not enough. You know, the depth wasn't there. Um, the, the strength wasn't there. The depth wasn't there. Um, you know, the guys that were there did a Herculean effort to get through the season as much moving as they were moving around the line of, line of scrimmage, um, different positions. They all played different, different parts throughout the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, you know, they need a lot of parts, brother. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Yeah. No uh, doubt. Uh, go ahead, Dave. No, I was just going to ask, uh, I know that with respect y'all's time, I know it's getting close to nine o'clock Eastern while we're doing the show live. Uh, do you guys have anything before we go? It's been a great show as always. We appreciate a lot of viewers and comments and questions, and it's going to be a great off season. Uh, we'll see. It's, we're definitely going to be busy uh, for sure um, in the off season to find out with a lot of things going on. So we'll find out um, what happens. Bubba, do you have anything? No, not really. Uh, just look forward to to much brighter days Amen. in the future for pirate football. Um, that goes without saying. Uh, and one of the the lowest years in our program's history, and it's such a shame with it being one of the the best years our our defense has had. You know, in 15 years, you you I was looking back at some of the numbers, and obviously, 21 points per game in this day and age is much more impressive than um, than 21 points 20 or 30 years ago. No, but um, you know, this defense was right there with you know, some that we had in the Holtz years and then also um, some of those better defenses that we had under Coach Logan where we – I can think of at least three or four seasons where we allowed less than 20 points per game. 
you know, like like back in 99 and 95, 96, and some tremendous defenses, you know, so much attention was on Coach Logan and his offenses, the way we threw the ball more than most. And then, uh, and then also his tendency to, to call trick plays, be it fake field goals or otherwise, right. that uh, how well we ran the football and how well we played defense often got lost. No doubt. Look at uh, Matt Semenza. We also had Mark Lebiano uh, during that era as well that's been uh, putting up questions and comments. We appreciate you guys and Bays. obviously. You're from that era as well, um, being a specialist. And um, we won a lot of football games during that time. And I'm sure we're going to win a lot of football games in the future too. This is not a – this is a terrible – Bays ran, Bays ran a dude over against West Virginia, by the way. I don't think <laughs> he ran – he not only he stiff armed one dude, right, and then yeah. the next guy tried to tackle him. He ran him over. Uh, so just so you know, punters are tough too, fellas. You know, <laughs> and and Bays, you have the footage of that, right? I've got it. I've got the footage. One hundred percent. He showed he showed he can uh, dribble a football. A very very impressive skill. Off turf, man. Not many people can do that. By the way, Sean Richardson, he's also here tonight. Tight end. What's up, brother? What's up, you know Sean? What's we up, all just uh, want to win. Sean Richardson, Mark Liviano. Uh, what's up, guys? Yes, a reunion um, of the 90s. Yeah, I, I also have footage of Bubba. You know, Bubba Bays, Bubba was a quarterback. And uh, <laughs> he, we were talking, like, Bubba's style, believe it or not, was kind of like Tebow. He would just try to run people over, like put the head down. And uh, I, I saw some footage of Bubba, like, literally steamrolling two linebackers and <laughs> – Taking one to the house, so some some impressive, uh, you know, players on this panel. No doubt. One other thing I will say, Dave, um, before we get out of here, you know, <laughs> you guys got you know, real quiet. <laughs> yeah, you got very quiet. <laughs> no one one thing one thing that I will say before we get out of here is, you know, if anything breaks, you know, whether it's you know a state of the program address from. John Gilbert and Mike Houston, or should anything break concerning Coach Houston's future um, with the program, then uh, we, we will certainly go live as soon as possible. So uh, stay tuned. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and yep. then also that you like and follow us on Facebook. That way, whenever we go live, you'll be alerted on your device. No doubt, guys. It's been a great show. Thank you, Semenza. Thank you, Bays, Bubba. Appreciate you guys very much, and uh, thanks to Kevin Walker. He uh, he actually is a part of uh, the nineteen eighty three team, and of course, uh, Bubba didn't he graduate in eighty five off the top of my head? Uh, but he's uh, definitely one of the best players to ever play. That for sounds right. That's, that and sounds right. But uh, he is a part of uh, LNK Custom Homes, and they bring the Pirate Football Playback each and every week. Thank you, Kevin, for that. He's a licensed general contractor. Call him at three three six six eight eight. 8461. Want to give a shout out to uh, everybody in Pirate Nation. We are going to be better, no doubt about it, whichever way we go. And um, just hang in there, and things will, um, happy days will be here again. Until next time, this is Dave Richmond for everybody here at the Sports Objective. Again, the Pirate Football Playback. Good night, everybody, and go Pirates. Uh, 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 uh.